0: Good morning. I can just say right now, if you don't like the sermon you're about to hear, you've already heard one. So, thank you so much. That was just gorgeous. I'm Sally Watson, uh, General Presbyter of Mission Presbytery, and it is great to be with you all today. The last time I was here in worship with you was the day that the moderator of General Assembly was here, uh, maybe even a year ago this weekend or something like that, and I was fresh off the boat, and I did not know what I was doing. I think I know a little bit more now, but I don't know about how much, but it's really great to be back with you all again. Um, I bring you greetings from your 137 sibling churches throughout Mission Presbytery. We cover the, the southern fifth of Texas, all the way from Burnet in the north down to the Rio Grande Valley, Del Rio, Laredo to the west, and Collegeport and Palacios to the east. It's a pretty big, pretty big area, and thank goodness we did not have the level of flooding that Houston had. But we have had some significant damage in the south from from Hurricane Harvey. Um, As far as I know, we've had seven churches that have sustained damage and several dozens, maybe hundreds of homes of, of Presbyterians across the area. So I want to let you know, though, so believe it or not, our Rockport Church survived very well, and uh, they were, it's, it's built like a rock. Now, Port Aransas Church, not so much, but, um, but the FEMA truck is using the Rockport Church as its headquarters to help in that area. So Presbyterians are at work all the way down the coast and through the valley. I want to let you know about some other ways that you could help, if you like, uh, for Hurricane Harvey. If you are a texter, you could text the letters PDA, as in Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, to the number 20222, and that will be a $10 donation right off the bat. Um, Also, if you want to send a check to Mission Presbytery, 100% of what you give will go for uh, disaster relief for Hurricane Harvey. Just be sure to indicate it on the little area on your check. You can also go to the website of the Presbyterian Foundation. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure you can find it. And there is a button on there that you can click to send donations to Mission Presbytery. Also, 100% of those donations will be sent. So thank you in advance for all that you're doing to help in relief. And uh, I know the bake sale is going to be a big success tomorrow, too. Let's turn again to Scripture, to the Gospel of Matthew this time. The 22nd chapter, beginning with the 34th verse. Listen again for God's word. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him Teacher, which commandment is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and all the prophets. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friend Craig Satterley is the king of transitions, When I was working with him on my doctor of ministry degree, he was doing the final work on a book of his called When God Speaks Through Change. He's done a lot of research in the area of helping pastors and congregations navigate the choppy waters of transition, which he would argue is about every day. He says that there are three parts to every transition, but it goes kind of backwards to what we might think. The first part, he says, is the ending. That is the time that something has happened when you know that you can't go home again. There's been a death or an accident or a big hurricane or someone has announced that he's moving to Atlanta or something has happened to the building. The very first part of the transition is that event which is a clear demarcation between what is and what used to be. So the beginning of a major change usually involves the grief associated with whatever it is that has taken place. And so if you start with the end, you might imagine that we end with the beginning, and that's exactly how it goes. Whatever the new start is, the arrival of the new pastor, the dedication of the new building, whatever That is the event which marks the end of the transition. If you were to sit Craig Satterley down today in front of the book of Deuteronomy, he might label today's reading a fairly major transition. The death of Moses is, of course, the beginning of it, no question. But does the transition end with the passing of the mantle to Joshua? Well, if so, that might be one of the shortest transitions in history. Let's leave the end of that particular transition to be settled in another sermon. I'm sure that Stacy can answer that for you. But for today, the death of Moses leaves us squarely in the middle of what Satterley calls the middle, the liminal phase. Liminal is that scary, messy, nigh unto gushy phase of transition when the old is gone but the new is not yet known. It's everything that happens between the beginning of the change and the conclusion of it. The word liminal comes from a Latin word which means threshold, the door frame. When you're standing at the threshold of someone's home you're not yet into the house but you're no longer on the sidewalk either. As opposed to a transition which can happen in the blink of an eye, or a new beginning which can become evident just like that, this liminal in-between period can last for months, or maybe even years. Old structures are gone, the new ones are not yet in place. And so the liminal time is the time to experiment. Experiment. To try new ways of being and test out a new identity. You know, as uh, lovely as all that may sound, I hate the liminal part. I hate it. I like to know where we're going. And if I had to choose between remembering the past and not knowing it all, well, remembering wins every time. Memory is one of God's richest gifts to us. It's one of the things that makes us human. Having a memory means that it only takes one burn to help us keep from hurting ourselves the next time we touch the hot stove. Memory is what helps us find our way to and from home every day. Memories are short when we are children, but they are the companion of our old age. And one of the best things about memory is that I can selectively shape it however I want I can make myself more beautiful than I ever was. I can make that old boyfriend and the rotten relationship that went with him seem not nearly so bad. I can conjure up an idyllic childhood, and I can invent parents who were like June and Ward Cleaver. In the words of the prophet Willie Nelson, Remember remember the good times. They're smaller in number and easier to recall. If I got to do things the way that I want to do them, I would move straight from the moment of transition right into the new beginning. I would avoid all that messy experimental stuff that has to happen in the doorway. But unfortunately, that's not how I get to do it. And that's not the way that we get to do it in Mission Presbytery or Westlake Hills either. You and I find ourselves in that liminal time, don't we? While we rejoice that Mark has not died, he did ride off into the sunset a few weeks ago. Friends, I wish that I could promise you that things would go as smoothly from the time he left right up through the calling of the new pastor. But it wouldn't be the truth. You and I are in that liminal time between Mark's departure and the new pastor's arrival. As great as living in the past might feel, we can't live in the past. We can't get back to normal because there is no normal anymore. This is the time when you and I have to try and find our way together to try some new things to keep some of the old ways and throw out the rest And all the while, trust that God is going to see us through. How do we do that? Which way is forward? Well, here's the key. We can only move forward by remembering. The way forward requires not being hopelessly locked in the past, but remembering only two things. Who is in charge and what we're called to do. So who is in charge? Sorry, Stacy, it's not you. It's not Claire. It's probably not any of you, and it sure isn't me, I can tell you that. The one in charge is the subject of the 90th Psalm. Our health in ages past, our hope for years to come. The one in charge is the God who teaches us to number our days, to know the brevity of life, so that we can live with the wisdom that God gave us. Friends, God is in charge. God is in charge. We can remember those four words every time that we are, in, are tempted to envision a future or a past of our own creating. And once we know deep down in our bones who it is that really is in charge we will automatically know what we are supposed to do to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. On those two commandments, Jesus says, hang all the laws, all the prophets, our very lives. Friends, our reason for being is to glorify God and enjoy God forever, not to ruminate endlessly on the past. This is exactly the way and the only way we can get ourselves through that threshold and cross over from the past into God's future. If we're going to make a healthy transition, we cannot long for something that cannot be. We cannot design a future with only ourselves in mind. What we can do is to love God which means to listen and to do what God requires. And we can love our neighbor, the one who is here with us right now, the one in Africa, North Carolina, wherever they may find themselves, the one who needs the grace of God almost as much as we do. Focusing on not only what is really important, but on what is reality, will get us through these uncertain times and land us squarely in the place where God is calling us. I haven't told you the uh, most important thing yet that my friend Craig Satterley says. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but Craig Satterley says that transitions are not neat. One doesn't end before another one begins. There are transitions going on in our lives all the time, overlapping each other and crashing into each other and messing each other up. That's the bad news. But the good news is the same. The way through this transition together as a congregation, as well as through those myriad transitions that happen every day in your own lives and mine, it's the same each time. In this transition or that, in every circumstance of life, cling to the knowledge that God is in charge and count that as the good news of the gospel. And then take the next step in front of you, which is to love God and to love neighbor as yourself, and then put one foot in front of the other and repeat as often as necessary, a day at a time, an hour at a time, a minute at a time if you have to. The God who is in charge specializes in making a way where there is no way. But in order to see that way, we have to move out of the past and into the future that God has already prepared for us. The promised land is waiting, my friends. Let's get busy and head that way. Let us pray. God of grace, through your son Jesus, we know the love that you desire for us and the love that you desire that we share with our neighbors. Help us now to put aside anything which would distract from the love of you and the love of neighbor. Help us to focus on the way in which you would have us go. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.